Alright, alright, okay, okay, what's up everybody, Zelda Talks Facts, or with the facts, like always, of course, hope you guys are enjoying your Monday morning so far, I'm doing alright, uh, this is a two-part episode right here, we're gonna talk about my Dallas Cowboys losing to the Green Bay Packers yesterday, and I'm also gonna give you guys my predictions on the MLB awards, cause, uh, tonight we have the Rookie of the Year award, a Rookie of the Year awards, I should say, and then tomorrow it's the Man- uh, Manager of the Year awards, and then uh, Wednesday, it's the Cy Young Awards. And then Thursday, it's the MVP Award. So I figured, you know, let's talk about that as well. We might as well do that. I'll spend like a half an hour talking about my Cowboys and maybe do like 15 minutes on the, or like 10 or 15 minutes on the awards. Shouldn't take that long with the awards, honestly. Um, be pretty quick. But, um, <sighs> man, Aaron Rodgers still owns the Dallas Cowboys. Death, taxes. Aaron Rodgers owning the Dallas Cowboys. I believe he's 8-2 overall against us in his career. Either 8-2 or 10-2. You know, it sucks. It really sucks. There's nothing else I could say about it. It's It sucks. You know, what are you going to do? But, um, I got a lot to say about this game. I got a lot to say because I was very confident going into this game. I thought to myself, okay, you know, Rodgers doesn't have many weapons right here. He hasn't looked that good this year, obviously. He's had his moments, but overall he has not been that good. Packers' defense overall has been good. We were able to get to them a little bit yesterday despite Dak throwing two picks. The first one was his fault. The second one wasn't. CD just didn't run his route. He wasn't looking. So the first one was definitely on Dak. But um, the funny thing is right here, I actually didn't get to see the Cowboys-Packers game until there was like two minutes left in the first quarter because, you know, the Bills-Vikings game was still on over here and that went to um, to overtime. And that was a crazy ending. And I got to admit, though, I got to admit the Minnesota Vikings being 8-1, and one, didn't expect it. They look like such a different team this year. They really do. They really, really do. They just look really good. Justin Jefferson made probably the catch of the decade yesterday. Definitely the catch of the year. Probably the catch of the decade. Like, holy shit. They have just been a juggernaut, the Vikings. They absolutely have been beating the Bills yesterday. I doubted Minnesota. I really did. And I will say this, though. And it's not me being biased. It's not. I'm just stating how I feel. I think the Dallas Cowboys will bounce back against Minnesota and the Giants. The reason why I say this is, you know, in the last two years, they have been able to beat the Vikings. And you could say, well, they are a better team this year. Absolutely, they are. I'm not discrediting I'm not discrediting anything the Vikings have done this year. I'm not doing that at all. But the Cowboys have had, you know, their fair share against Kirk Cousins. And they have beaten the Vikings back-to-back years, both in Minnesota. And this game will be in Minnesota on Sunday. So I am a little bit confident the Cowboys will bounce back. And I think they will be back in second place pretty soon. Because now they're not in second place anymore. Because the Giants won yesterday, and of course we lost. But, you know, the way to get back in second place is like is like two ways right here. We gotta beat Minnesota, of course. You know, and if the Giants, let's say let's say they lose to Detroit on Sunday. If that happens right there, okay, we get back in second place. But the Giants, they're gonna beat Detroit. They'll be eight and two. I think we're gonna be seven and three. We'll beat Minnesota. That's how I feel, honestly. You know, it's it's weird to have, you know, optimism after yesterday's game. And I think we'll beat the Giants on Thanksgiving and we'll get back in second place. We'll be tied at eight and three. But we'll be back in second place nonetheless, so I'll be happy. Um, but that's how I feel, honestly. You know, it's kind of weird to have optimism after yesterday's game, but I just, I'm just telling it like it is. I'm not being biased at all because I'm a Cowboys fan. If the Cowboys were like three and six or like four and five or five and four, then I would say they're not going to win these games. But I think they will bounce back. I honestly think they will. But a lot of things need to change right here, you know. 
you got to adjust. you got to make a lot of adjustments going in against Minnesota because you're going from a weaponless Packers team other than Rodgers to a huge juggernaut in Minnesota who are riding high right here after just beating Buffalo, beating Super Bowl contenders. I don't even know if Buffalo – I don't know if they are Super Bowl contenders now, honestly, the way that they've looked the last two weeks. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. And now the Dolphins are in first place in the AFC. It's been a crazy season. It really has been. You know, who would have thought at the end of the day, right, you're looking at both East divisions, who would have thought the Eagles would be undefeated in first, and who would have thought the Dolphins would be in first place, honestly. I mean, the Dolphins should be better than 7-3. You know, it's the whole thing with two of the concussions, how they should have handled it a lot better. But besides the point, they're in first place, and I'm happy for them. Not for the Eagles, obviously, but um, for the Dolphins, I am. So when this game turned on right here, when it finally turned on over here, there was about two minutes left, like I said. And we had the ball. So I was checking on my phone. You know, I know the Packers missed a kick with Crosby. We had two three and outs. We were able to stop Rodgers again. And on this drive right here, the Cowboys moved the ball down the field beautifully. It was beautiful. It's like, all right, a little bit rusty to start off. Let's push it right here. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did right there. They pushed. So let's see, they start off with a CD seven-yard catch. And Pollard made some good runs. CD made another good catch. And they just moved the ball down the field on this drive. They moved the ball like crazy, which is good. And, you know, they took risks as well as fourth and one Packers 31. I will be honest, though, and I was saying a lot of shit about McCarthy yesterday. If Jason Garrett was still coaching the Cowboys, they don't go for a fourth and one. They just don't. There's no shot. Garrett would fucking take the field goal. Even if they were in, let's see, well, uh, let's say we were at midfield or like at our 49 or whatever. It's fourth and one. He would punt the ball. He would just punt it. That's exactly what he would do. So I'll give McCarthy credit for, you know, going for it. And it worked. And then we were able to draw a penalty right there in the next play. Packers had too many men on the field doing the hurry up which was smart and they just kept moving it down the field and moving it Prescott got some nice runs made some nice passes and then second and goal to three found C.D. Lamb for three yard touchdown and we're on the board I'm like alright that was a really good drive that was a really really good drive I was like alright let's go it's exactly the kind of drive that we needed that was good after starting off a little bit rusty that's exactly what we needed and I was happy I was like alright here we go now next possession Third play, third and three at the Packers 17. Rodgers got blown up by Demarcus Lawrence, fumbled the ball. J. Ron Kirst recovered it, and I was like, holy shit. If we could score a touchdown right here or even just get points, this is huge. But this is where the game turned around. Not in a good way. You would have thought after this, the game would have turned around completely in the Cowboys' favor. You thought wrong, and so did I. I thought wrong, and so did, you know, everybody else. Because right here... All I was saying was, you're at the Packers' 10. They start at the 10. All you have to do is just run the ball. I don't understand what is so hard with running the ball in the red zone. I don't understand it. If the running game isn't working, then you pass it. But they just didn't run the ball right here. Other than Davis running the ball for one yard, then Prescott got sacked on a stupid play. And then here was the other stupid play, third and goal. I don't know who the hell Prescott was throwing the ball to. He gets picked off. Bio, what's his name? Rudy Ford for 34 yards. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. You just got a gift right there. The defense gave you a gift. Demarcus Lawrence got the huge sack on Rodgers. 
Curse recovered it. You had a huge opportunity right there to just get some points. Could have been 10 nothing or 14 nothing. Points are points. I'm going to take it. I'll take the points. That's it. But I don't understand how you could have an amazing drive on the last row. You could have an amazing drive, move the ball down the field like it was nothing. But then right here, you're at the 10-yard line. You're in the red zone. And you can't do anything. You just, your brains just shut off. I, I don't get it. We've seen it happen with a lot of coaches. Just play simple. Run the freaking ball. If it doesn't work, then pass it. Honestly, I would have ran the ball on second and goal. Okay, if Davis gets blown up or whatever, doesn't get much yardage. Okay, fine, you throw the ball. Or honestly, just get the yard. Just run it. Just run it. It's simple as that. So that whole possession right there went to shit right there. I mean, that, that was on Prescott. That was a stupid pass. I don't know who the hell he was looking for. There was nobody around. That's when you got to, like, scramble and just throw the ball away, honestly. You got to do that and just take the points or even take the sack, whatever. Take the points. That's all you got to do. So the Packers right here start with their own 33. It was 31 to 42 at their own 42. And Aaron Rodgers finds rookie Christian Watson – who I'm going to tip my cap to. He had a hell of a game. This kid, Christian Watson, had a hell of a game right here. Rodgers finds him. 58-yard touchdown. He burned Anthony Brown. Not surprised. Apparently, Anthony Brown has a concussion. So, I don't know how long he's going to be out for. It's not like it's... I wish him the best, but it's not like we're missing anybody, you know, key right there. So, Anthony Brown's been shit all year. I saw people on Twitter, like, saying, oh, he hasn't been all that bad. I'm like, what games are you watching? Seriously, he's the worst cornerback on the team. One of the worst in the league. I mean, obviously that's Eli Apple, but Anthony Brown's up there, honestly. He really is. He got burnt right there because he tripped. I'm like, oh my god. And the fucking NFL memes fucking Twitter posted, page posted, oh, Trevon Diggs got burnt by a 2022 Packers wide receiver. I'm like, how can you not tell that was fucking Brown in the replay? I mean, at first I thought it was Diggs, too, but I was like, oh, that was Brown. It wasn't Diggs. They, they really weren't even looking at Diggs the whole game. Diggs was, you know, locking it down, honestly. I'll give him credit. I still, I know it's going to sound stupid, but I still think Diggs is a little bit overrated. It's just, again, it comes down to last year. I get he had the 11 picks, but it's the yardage. He has calmed it down this year. So, you're looking at next week, he's going to be up against Jefferson and Thielen. You better be ready. I mean... Well, he wasn't, he wasn't there for the first game in 2020 against Minnesota. He was hurt, I believe. No, no, wait, did he come? No, he wasn't hurt. I think he played. He was hurt early on. Yeah, I believe he played in that game. He played last year, so... I mean, the Cowboys really haven't had a problem against the Vikings the last two years with the talent the Vikings have. The Cowboys really haven't had a problem. They really haven't so far. Hopefully they can keep it up next. Um, let's say next Sunday, you know, this Sunday coming up, which I believe they still will. I still believe they will. I know it sounds crazy to be optimistic. I understand that, you know, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna stay that way. And right here, I talk about Trevon Diggs right here. Somebody posted on Twitter, uh, Tom Downey, who's the host of the Cowboys Report. He posted right here just 33 minutes ago. The Packers had no interest in throwing at Trevon Diggs. He only had one target. One target. So I'll give Javon Diggs a lot of credit for yesterday. I'll give him a lot of credit. I will give him a lot of credit. Only one target. That's good. Hopefully he becomes that lockdown cornerback. We need that. 
We absolutely fucking need that shit. We really do. <sighs> so next drive right here. This is the next interception by Rudy Ford in this possession. The Cowboys are moving the ball pretty good, though. They were moving the ball pretty good. We're at our own 41. Prescott ran for one yard, got a first down. And then he threw two straight complete passes to Pollard and Gallup. And all I'm saying is right here is just run the damn ball. Because Prescott had looked like shit, honestly, for so long in this game. And then what happens on third and ten? Rudy Ford, another interception, 34 more yards. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That was on CeeDee Lamb, though, because he didn't run his route correctly. So that's on him. That's his fault. I can't blame Dak on that one, even though I was. But I saw the replay. Okay, that was CeeDee's fault. And what the Packers do in this next possession? They start off the 24. They're at the 12 right here, second and five. Aaron Jones runs it for a touchdown, 14 to 7. And then we almost lost the ball right here on the kickoff because fucking stupid Peyton Hendershot, he fumbled the ball, but thank God Luke Guilford was able to fucking uh, recover it. So it was our possession right there. Fucking Hendershot's terrible, man. He's fucking garbage. He is fucking garbage. Right here on this next possession, you know, Prescott found his confidence, you know. They only ran the ball one time in this possession, only once. But they moved the ball pretty good. Prescott found Lamb, seven-yard catch, and he had a nine-yard gain. Then Schultz had a 13-yard gain. Pollard had a two-yard loss because of a stupid pass right there. Well, not stupid pass, like stupid play call. We called timeout. Pollard ran for 11 yards. Prescott found Gallup for 23 yards. Threw an incomplete pass, and I'm just saying, oh, my God, you're at the five-yard line. Just I know you have no timeouts, but run it quickly and then spike it or something if you don't get in. But second and goal, Dalton Schultz open, gets in for the touchdown, tie game. And that's how it is going into the uh, – Second half. I'm like, all right, 14 to 14. We should be winning, but all right, let's find it here. Prescott was able to find them that possession. He made up for the interceptions, even though the second one was not his fault. You know, and this is the thing right here. This is the thing right here. You really can't put it all on Prescott. I mean, listen, yesterday I was screaming my head off at Prescott. I was. But I was wrong for most of the things I was screaming about with Prescott, saying how the second interception was his fault. And this and that. I mean, your quarterback can only do so much for you at times. I mean, but he gave the defense, a, you know, a two-touchdown lead. I mean, come on. But going into the second half right here, Cowboys locked it down in the third quarter. They seriously did. You know, the Packers started moving the ball down the field right here. They got to our 42. Rodgers threw an incomplete pass to Watson, which he almost had. Almost had. If he's able to catch that ball, he gets another touchdown. But then the Packers committed a uh, delay a game penalty. So they wound up punting it. Well, they were trying to draw us offside. So that was the plan anyway from them. And what do the Cowboys do right here? Start off at the five-yard line. At our own five-yard line. This was a stupid play right here. Like when they were going to pass it. And Prescott got sacked. He almost got sacked in the end zone. He's lucky that he didn't. Because that would have been a safety right there. So we go three and out. Brian Anger had a nice punt. And Amari Rodgers returned for 11 yards. Still he fumbled in. Sean McCune was able to recover it. And that was huge. That was huge. That we got the ball back right there. That was a gift. So we start with the Packers 45. Pollock gets a two-yard gain. CD, 30-yard catch. Incomplete pass to Schultz. And I'm saying again, run that ball. And Tony Pollard does exactly that. 13-yard touchdown. Cowboys regain the lead. Let's fucking go. 
That's where I started to feel very confident again. I was like, all right, here we go now. We got the lead. Let's stop them. Packers go three and out of the next possession. It was third and fourth at 39. And Sam Williams, this kid, man, you got to play him more. Blows up Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, let's go. Let's fucking go now. That was huge. We needed that stop. That was huge. That's all we needed. Huge three and out. We get the ball back. And it was first and 10 at their 35. We moved the ball pretty good down the field after the uh, intentional grounding penalty on Prescott. We moved the ball pretty good. And C.D. Lamb had a hell of a game despite, you know, costing us on that second reception. He really had a good game because you look at his stats. He had 15, ca- uh, excuse me, 11 catches, 15 targets, I meant to say. 150 yards, two touchdowns. Played a hell of a game. Played a hell of a game. People want to still say he's overrated. You're an idiot. You're an idiot if you think CD's overrated, honestly. He has his moments where it looks like he could be overrated, but he's really not. But first and 10th or 35, Prescott found CD, 35-yard touchdown. And we're up 28-14. And I'm like thinking to myself, we could probably win this game. We probably could. But the game was on the line right here. The defense fucking sold. The defense completely sold in this game. It was 4th and 7 on our own 39. Aaron Rodgers found Christian Watson. 39-yard touchdown. Made it look so easy. It's a one-score game. I was like, oh my fucking God. I mean, obviously the Packers were going to go for it. It's four-down territory. They weren't going to punt the ball down by two touchdowns. They're not going to do that. If it's a third quarter, yeah. Fourth quarter, no. But that's vintage Aaron Rodgers for you right there. That's vintage Aaron Rodgers. There's nothing else you could say. That's just how it is. Found Watson on a nice pass. Cowboys defense completely sold. And, you know, I know Michael Parsons has been banged up, but he was nowhere to be found in this game. He was nowhere to be found. Wasn't able to get to Rodgers at all. Not at all. Demarcus Lawrence, I would say, was our best defensive guy out there, honestly. He was. And I've given Tank a lot of shit, you know, over the last couple years. He's had a huge bounce back year, honestly. He's had his moments. Had the sack in the uh, second quarter that forced Rodgers to fumble the ball. He's had a hell of a year, honestly. I'm thinking this next possession, just milk the clock right here. And let, let's go. Simple as that. Let's go now. And Pollard was running the ball pretty good. He was running the ball pretty good right here. Then it was first 10 on 36, and Prescott found Michael Gallup for no gain right there. I'm like, why are we passing? You have to milk the clock right here. Just run the ball with Pollard and Davis. Milk the clock. And what happens on 39? Henry's shot incomplete. We don't want to punt the ball, and now you got to trust the defense again. And the defense just could not stop him. Couldn't stop him. They moved all they moved all the way down to the seven yard line. Christian Watson once again his third touchdown. And Aaron Jones, too, on this possession was second and six. He got a 30-yard gain. He did fumble the ball, but he was able to recover it right away. So Jones and fucking Watson killed us on that drive. And I, I just I was a complete shock. You know. And I'm like, all right, well, here we go now. This is make or break. It's 28-28. What do we do? Three and out. We go three and out. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just unreal. Just simply was unreal in that possession going three and out. You have a chance to win the game right here. Milk the clock. Move the ball down the field. Potentially win. 
But no, you go three and out. Awesome. Fucking awesome. Great, great job. Amazing effort, guys. Amazing. Awesome. But then Packers, next possession right here, they wound up going three and out. They wound up going three and out right here, so... I'm like, all right, you take your chance in overtime. Cowboys move the ball a little bit on their last possession. Didn't mean anything. We go to OT. We got the ball. We chose tails. We, got, we wound up getting the ball. I'm like, all right, let's just make or break. Let's make or break again. But the Cowboys completely cost themselves in this possession. They shot themselves in the foot multiple times in this possession. Multiple times. Multiple times. Start off with a Pollard seven-yard gain. Then Prescott found CD fifteen-yard catch. Pollard got a seven, another seven-yard gain. And I've never seen an offside on the offense because the kid Jalen Tolbert, the rookie, it really wasn't his fault, honestly, because he asked the referee if he was good. And the referee said he was good. So the referee lied and said he was good because he asked the referee, "Am I like in position?" That's bullshit right there. I honestly think Tolbert shouldn't have been out there for overtime. That's just that's my honest opinion. I know, you know, you gotta give the kid a chance. But you need you need your guys out there. A guy like Tolbert, nothing against the kid, he could turn out to be really good. But that was bad. The fact that the referee said he was good and he, apparently he was offside. I mean he it looked like he was. But how are you gonna tell him he's good? I and then he's not. See, that's just bullshit right there. That's honestly bullshit. So then it's second and eight. But then Powell gets a nine-yard gain, gets a first down. So all, all is okay, basically, you would think. And I'm saying to myself, just run the ball. And what happens right here? They take out Tony Pollard. I'm like, you need Tony Pollard out here right now. Why are you benching him? And Prescott, what does he do? Incomplete pass to McCune. Malik Davis ran the ball here. Looked like he had an 11-yard gain. That got taken back. They got a holding call. And it's second 19. Schultz gets a 16-yard gain. I'm like, all right, it's third and three. Prescott tries to find CD. He gets taken down by Jair Alexander. No call. No call. I can guarantee you this. If it was the other way around, you flip the jerseys, that gets called. I'm sorry. I don't care how, like, not like petty that sounds, uh, like how... It sounds like an excuse. A lot of people think that it is, but it's really not. Because anybody with a fucking brain who's not a complete dumbass would see if it was the other way around, that would get called. If that was Trevon Diggs against Lazard or Watson, that gets called. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear, Oh, no, it doesn't get called. Are you, are you serious? But no, apparently the refs really love the Cowboys, right? Apparently Jerry Jones pays the refs. The refs are always on the Cowboys' side. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I, You guys are so right. You guys are so right. The referees are totally on the Dallas Cowboys' side. They love them boys. Love them. You guys are so right. You guys are so fucking smart. I'm sure you guys have a lot of fucking degrees. You got a lot of smarts. You probably have an IQ of 170. Fuck you guys. Seriously. Fuck you guys. That's all I'll say. The fact that didn't, that didn't get called, that was bullshit. It should have been pass interference. It should have been. But the, at the end of the day, the refs are not your friends. So, you know, you can't really make excuses. But again, all I'm trying to say is, 
again, anybody with a logical brain and who's not brain dead would understand if it was the other way around, you know what that gets called. It's simple as that. It's simple as that. I don't want to hear from anybody. If you think the otherwise, if you think otherwise, you're a fucking moron and you shouldn't talk football because you know nothing about it. Put your personal bias aside and be a fucking football fan and see that should have been called pass interference. I swear to God, you know, it's so funny because it really is so funny. Like when we lose, it's like everybody throws a fucking parade. Everybody's so happy the Cowboys lost. I mean, imagine, imagine wishing on another team's downfall. I mean, it couldn't be me, honestly. I don't wish on any team's downfall. Of course, I don't want the teams in my division to win. But I'm not hoping for them to like have a complete downfall, meltdown, like fuck this team and this and that. Like, Jesus Christ, man. You guys are fucking animals, I swear to God. But it should have been called. It, it should have been called. Again, I know it may sound like an excuse. However it sounds to you guys, I, I could care less. But it's, it's the fucking truth. It is. I mean, come on. But then last chance, right? It's fourth and three at 35. Packers 35. I mean, people are saying, go for the field goal. I mean, you're taking a risk right there. Maher makes it. Okay, Packers still have time. You're giving Rodgers over six minutes. But then if he misses it, oh, then you're going to blame Maher. You're going to blame McCarthy for stupid play call. And Prescott threw an incomplete pass to Tony Pollard, and that basically sealed it. We knew it was going to happen next. You knew it was going to happen next. It was over. Third and one at their 44. Lazar goes for 36-yard gain. And then Dante Fowler gets a fucking face mask penalty, put the Packers at the 7. Rodgers took a knee. Mason Crosby, 28-yard field goal, and the Green Bay Packers defeat the Dallas Cowboys. What else is fucking new? So many fucking mistakes in this game. So many mistakes in this game. Prescott made a mistake, obviously. Throwing the first interception. Again, the second interception was not his fault. I'm going to say it again. The second interception by Prescott was not his fault. CD didn't run the route. He, he wasn't paying attention. So you really can't... You can't sit there and say, like, that's Prescott's fault. It's really not. It's really not. The first one, yes. You want to blame Prescott on the first one? Absolutely. Second one, you, what, what are you watching? Is the question. That's all that I'm saying. Like, what are you watching there? You, you, you're watching the wrong film. But, um... I can't fully blame Dak at all. I can't. I, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm just not going to do that. But a lot of the blame, I think I think 90% of the blame should go on the defense. Because you're up 20 to 14. Dak's not the one out there stopping the plays. He's not out there on defense. He's not. The defense had to step it up right there. They had a great I'll admit they had a great first half. The fourth quarter, they fell asleep. From the secondary to the front line, everybody fell asleep. They were not putting a lot of pressure on Rodgers. The corners, other than Diggs, he only got targeted once. Everybody else just seemed like they were in la-la land. They didn't know what they were doing. They just did not look like they knew what they were doing. Couldn't make any tackles. It, it was unreal. 
it was unreal to see the defense fall apart like that. I mean, and like some people are really blaming Dan Quinn. Okay, Dan Quinn's turned around this defense. This was the worst game they've had under Dan Quinn since he's been the defensive coordinator. This is definitely their worst one, honestly, because last year they really didn't have a game like, like this, honestly, where they couldn't get any pressure on Rodgers. You know, they had their hiccups last year. They've had hiccups this year. It happens. They're not going to be perfect. But you're up 28-14. to 14, You need to be near perfect, honestly. You really do. you got to lock the game down. You have to lock this game down, and they didn't. So you could sit there and point the finger at Prescott. I mean, it's cheap and easy to do that. I mean, I was doing that. Again, I'll admit it, I was doing that yesterday. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I wasn't blaming Prescott. I was fucking screaming at the TV at Prescott after the second interception. But again, watching the replay, it was CD's fault. But I was screaming my head off. I'm just telling you guys the truth. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, oh, I wasn't blaming Prescott. I was. And I was wrong for that. The first one, yes. Second one, no. After the second interception, Prescott was fine the rest of the game. He, was, he, was, he looked good after that. But again, the defense, the defense sold. The defense completely sold in this game. They should have locked it down, but they fucking didn't. They did not lock it down. That's on them. They should have locked down this game. And there's got to be a lot of frustration in the room after that. There's got to be. I, I truly hope somebody spoke, you know, spoke up and said something after that. Because the Cowboys are better than this. They are fucking way better than this shit. Way better than this. They are so much better than that. They are so much better than that. They really are. And they had a record of 195-0 with a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter, including the postseason. And now that ended yesterday. That ended. But the Dallas Cowboys are so much better than what happened yesterday. They are. They absolutely can't say they've beaten nobody. You cannot sit there and say that. They've beaten the Bengals, who were in the Super Bowl last year. They might go to the playoffs this year. They beat the Giants. The Giants are 7 and 2 right now. What are you going to say? The Giants are frauds? They're really not. They're 7 and 2. You know, Washington, okay, that's fair. The Rams, I mean, to be fair, the Rams were in the Super Bowl last year, were they not? Did they not win it? Okay, yeah, that's my point. So I know they, I know they suck this year. They're not going to go to the playoffs, obviously, at this rate. It doesn't look like they will. But the Rams at that point were pretty healthy. The offense was healthy. Their defense was healthy. The Cowboys fucking stomped them. Detroit, that's fair. And Chicago, that's fair. But there are two teams, or excuse me, three teams on that list that I mentioned. The teams that they beat that are good. The Rams aren't, well, they're not good now, obviously, but they were good at that point. They were. Don't, don't sit there and say they weren't. You look stupid. So two out of three teams they've beaten that I just mentioned, they'll be in the playoffs. I think Cincinnati's going to be in it. I think the Giants will be too. So you can't sit there and say, oh, they, they don't beat anybody. Okay. Tell me you don't watch football without telling me you don't watch football. Like, okay, don't be a jack wagon. Seriously. But a lot of things need to change going into, next, going into this Sunday's game against uh, Minnesota. A lot of things need to change. It's simple as that. I don't want to sound like Captain Obvious, but things got to change. They got to play better, period. It's simple as that. They're so much better. They're so much better than yesterday's game, than what they are. They are so much better than that. They know they really are. They really are. They're a much better team than that. They're a much better team. They're way too talented. They are way too fucking talented. 
That's all I'm saying. They are way too talented for that shit. Way too talented. Way too talented. That's, that's all I'm gonna say. You got the talent right there. I don't want. I don't want to hear people to say, Prescott's the guy. He's the guy. He is the quarterback. He is the guy. I saw some stupid people saying, oh, if, if, if Cooper Rush was playing, they would have won. No, they wouldn't have. Do you guys not know what kind of quarterback Cooper Rush is? Oh, but, but he, won, he won four straight games for you guys. Okay, yeah, he played good against Cincinnati, played good against the Giants, played good against Washington, didn't play good against L.A. And how did he do against Philly? How did he do against Philly on prime time? How, how did he do in that game? Played like shit. He played like shit in that game. So stop with that whole narrative. Oh, if Cooper Rush was playing, they would have won. No, they would not have won that game. They would have lost by more points. This game would not even went into overtime. Like, stop it. Stop it. Stop with this whole Cooper Rush narrative. Enough is enough. I don't want to hear you won four straight games. Okay, thank you. You did your part. Since Prescott's been back, he's 2-1. and one. Should be 3-0. and oh. But he's 2-1. and one. It's not like he's 1-2. If he was 1-2, or God forbid he was 0-3, then I'd say, okay, yeah, put Cooper Rush in. Let's see what he can do. But I will admit, though, Prescott does need to step up against Minnesota because even though we've beaten them the last two years, Prescott was not the quarterback when we played in those games because he was hurt in uh, – he actually was hurt back-to-back years. You know, he was out the rest of the season in 2020, and Andy Dalton took over, and that was actually his first win – well, actually, well, no, his first one was against the Giants because he came in, but his first, like, start where he got a win was against the Vikings. And last year was Cooper Rush, his first ever NFL start. So I'm sure that's in Prescott's head. It's got to be. If he says it's not, he's lying. You're going to Minnesota. Now you're starting. Prescott hasn't beaten the Vikings himself since 2016. And granted, we didn't play them for two straight years after that, but then we lost them on primetime in 2019 when he was starting. So let's go. As simple as that. Let's fucking go. They got to tighten up here on defense. Like I said, you're going from a weaponless wide receiver offense to the Packers to a lot of huge weapons on Minnesota. You got to lock it down. You know, we're about Thielen, Jefferson, Hawkinson at tight end, Cook at running back. You know, I mean, Kirk, like I said, we've had great success against Kirk. You know, we, we really have, honestly. We've had good success against him. Back when he was in Washington, you know, we're 2-1 and one against him since he's been in Minnesota, so... Let's win on Sunday. Let's get back on track. And then you get ready for Thanksgiving. Because like I said, the Giants are going to beat Detroit. So I think the Dallas Cowboys will be fucking 7-3. And, and the Giants will be 8-2. And, and, um... Let's see what happens then on Thanksgiving, you know. First place really is out of the question now. So you can't worry about that. Just worry about getting second place, getting that wild card spot. And you take it from there. Simple as that. You know, I'm not going to be one of those guys that are going to say, oh, the season's done. If they lose to Minnesota, then I'll start saying maybe it's done because now you got to worry about the 49ers now because they're third in the wild card. They just beat the Chargers last night. They're 5-4. and four. You kind of need Philly to beat Washington tonight so they don't start creeping up. You need them to be 4-6, and six, honestly. You really do. Because they're 5-5 five and five if they win tonight. If they, if they win tonight, they'll be 5-5. Five and five, So... You, you kind of need them to lose. That, that's just how it is. You know, the 49ers, they do have some tough games coming forward. You know, I know that they got to play Tampa Bay. That's going to be tough. They still got to play games in their division. It's not going to be a cakewalk for them, honestly. 
but it's Jimmy G and he wins games and the 49ers defense is great so I thought the 49ers were going to be dead in the water this year just like I thought last year look what happened they went to the championship game I mean they're a well run organization despite not winning a Super Bowl for so many years at least it seems like they're competitive honestly they really have been the last couple of years Cowboys got to play better period that's all they're better than what they than what they are, honestly. They're way better than this shit. Just going to Minnesota. Do you think you've done the last two years in Minnesota? Beat them and get ready to come back home for the Giants on Thanksgiving. You know? And I'm sure it's going to be in a lot of the players' heads right there that have been here since 2018. They haven't won on Thanksgiving since 2018. That's going to be, you know, in their heads, you know. Let's go now. That's it. Get back on track. Beat Minnesota. Beat the Giants. Be tied for second place in the wild card. Or, well, NFC East, I meant to say, excuse me. You would get, you would get first in the wild card because of the tiebreaker. And let's go. Let's fucking go. Simple as that. Let's go. And then you look at December. You look at December. The first three games, you really should win. The Colts will be a little bit tough. You know, they did beat the Raiders yesterday. Jeff Saturday in his first game as NFL head coach. Did pretty good, honestly. You can say, well, the Raiders suck. I mean, yeah, but let's not pretend the Raiders still don't have good weapons, honestly, when they have a terrible head coach in uh, Josh McDaniels. But still, you got to give the guy Saturday credit who has no coaching experience at all. You got to give him a lot of credit there, honestly. You really do. But then you got the Texans who you should beat, the Jags you should beat, the Eagles on Christmas Eve. That's going to be a tough one, obviously. The Titans, if you can't stop Derrick Henry, which, which uh, I don't know if they'd be able to, you're not going to win. And then you got Washington. So realistically, the Cowboys could lose against Philly or the Titans, honestly. Let's be real. Because like I said, if you can't stop Derrick Henry, you're not going to win the game. It's just as simple as that. But can the Cowboys legit win the rest of the way? Could they go in to feed the rest of the way and finish 14-3? and three? Absolutely they could. Are you kidding me? Absolutely they could. They are so much better than what they are yesterday. And like I've said it, they're so much better than that. They honestly could go away, you know, the rest of the way. I'm not going to sit here and say no. I think they can. Anybody can beat anybody. I think when you play Houston and Jacksonville, because the Colts will give us a little bit of trouble, but Houston and Jacksonville, I mean, are we serious? Come on. You should not even struggle against those two teams. Those, those two games should be blowouts in our favor, obviously. So you can give players rest. Come on. Because you're going to want your guys... Completely rested when they play Philly. Like, let's fucking go now. But we'll see what happens. Like, I make a lot of readjustments going into Sunday's game against Minnesota. I think they will. I think they're gonna be fine. Like I, like I said, can they go undefeated the rest of the way? Yes, I think they can. I'm not saying they will, but they absolutely could. They absolutely could. They absolutely could. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying they will. But can they? Yes, they can. I think anybody can go undefeated the rest of the way. Anybody can win. Anybody could. So let's get ready for the Vikings now on Sunday. Let's snap their seven-game winning streak. But then I swear to God, everybody's going to start saying the Vikings are frauds if we beat them. I mean, I think if we beat them, nonetheless, whatever happens in this game, I don't think the Vikings are frauds. If we beat them, I don't think they are. I don't think they're frauds if we beat them, honestly. I really don't think that. I still think if we beat the Vikings, they're still a good fucking team. I think they are Super Bowl contenders. I mean, it all comes down to Kirk. But, you know, maybe he does find it in the playoffs. Maybe he does. Just maybe. 
So I wouldn't say that honestly. I wouldn't say I wouldn't be that guy if we beat Minnesota and say, "Oh, the Vikings are frauds." I I would not say that because they're not. I don't think they are. I mean, you just went to fucking Buffalo and beat them. I mean, come on. They've had a hell of a season. I'm not going to discredit what they've done. I'm not going to be that guy if we beat them and say, oh, the Vikings are frauds. We knew this was going to happen. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm, I'm not. Even if the game was on prime time, I still wouldn't say that. I'm being real. But let's get ready for Sunday's game. I'm going to be optimistic as I can. Hopefully, I don't have to be fucking pissed off next Monday when we talk about the Cowboys and Vikings. I just hope... I could be a little bit excited and be like, all right, let's get ready for Thanksgiving now. Let's get second place back. Hopefully, I can feel that way next Monday. That's all I'm going to hope for. Cross my fingers on that one. But now, let's talk some baseball right here. Let's get into the MLB awards for this year. So, let's start off with what's happening um, tonight. We have the National League Rookie of the Year and the American League Rookie of the Year. So, we'll start off with the National League Rookie of the Year right here. The three candidates are Brendan Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals. We have Michael Harris, the second of the Atlanta Braves, and we have Spencer Strider, also of the Atlanta Braves. So you want to look at the guy's stats right here, Brendan Donovan, who was an infield. We'll look at his stats. Pull up his stats right here for the Cardinals. He batted 281, had five home runs, 45. Excuse me, had five home runs, 45 RBIs, two stolen bases. Not bad, honestly. Not a bad season. Pull up Michael Harris's stats. Let's see, he batted. He batted 297, had 19 home runs, 64 RBIs, 20 stolen bases. Pretty good season. Pretty, pretty good season. Now let's pull up Spencer Strider's stats. Let's take a quick look. So he was a pitcher this year for the Braves. Pull up his stats. He was 11 and 5. With a 2.67 ERA, pitching 131.2 innings, had 202 strikeouts. Pretty good. Pretty damn good. His whip was 0.99. Pretty good. Got rocked in the postseason by Philly, but overall, he had a really good season, honestly. So my pick right there for the National League Rookie of the Year award, I'm going to go with Spencer Strider. That's my pick. And now getting to the American League right here, Candidates are Stephen Kwan of the Cleveland Guardians, Adley Rutschman of the Baltimore Orioles, and Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. So Stephen Kwan stats right here. The kid is really good, Stephen Kwan. Batted 298 at six home runs, 52 RBIs, 19 stolen bases, an OPS of 773. Hell of a season. Hell of a season. You know, he almost killed the Yankees in the fucking postseason. You know, because he's he is a pest of the fucking plate, but he's good. He's a guy that hits for contact. He's got a lot of talent. Now take a look at Adley Rutschman, the catcher of the future for the Orioles. Had a pretty solid rookie season. Batted 254, 13 home runs, 42 RBIs, 4 stolen bases, an OPS of 807. This kid's going to be really fucking good the rest of the way. And now we go to Julio Rodriguez. With the Mariners locked up to a big fucking contract the rest of the way. Pulling up his stats right here. Had a little bit of injury problems, but he batted 284, 28 home runs, 75 RBIs. 25 stolen bases and an OPS of 854. Hell of a season. He was out for a little bit, you know, with an injury, but I think it's kind of easy with my prediction right here for the AL uh, Rookie of the Year. I'm going to go with Julio Rodriguez. So for the National League, I'm going with Spencer Strider. And for the American League Rookie of the Year, I'm going with Julio Rodriguez. So now going to the next one right here. 
which is tomorrow. We have the American League Manager of the Year and the NL Manager of the Year. So we'll start off right here with the American League. We'll stick with the American League. We have Terry Francona of the Cleveland Guardians. We have Brandon Hyde of the Baltimore Orioles. And we have Scott Service of the Seattle Mariners. So see, that's kind of funny right there. You got Quan of the Guardians for the Rookie of the Year as a candidate. You have Rutschman up there as well with the Orioles. And you have Julio for Seattle. That's pretty cool right there, honestly. So if you had to ask me who's going to win this one, I'm honestly going to say it's Terry Francona. I would have said Brandon Hyde if Baltimore would have gotten to the playoffs, honestly. You know, but I think, you know, I think he's going to be good the rest of the way, Brandon Hyde. I think it's make or break next season for the Orioles. The reason why I'll say that is expectations are a little bit high now. They are a little bit high going the rest of the way because, I mean, hey, they fell a little bit short of making the playoffs. They made, like, what, five or four games, something like that, which isn't that bad for a really young team. But now expectations are a little bit high going the next season. So it's make or break for Brandon Hyde, honestly, because he's either a, a good developmental manager or maybe he can really elevate himself and be that big-time manager that gets you deep in the postseason and shit. You know, because the Orioles are going to be in some big games this year. Can Brandon Hyde be that guy? Or is he just developmental? And, you know, with Scott Service, you know, finally getting the Seattle Mariners to the playoffs for the first time since 2001. The reason why I will say Terry Francona, that's my pick. The reason why I'll say that, though, I mean, Terry Francona's went through so fucking much, man. He's seen it all. He managed the Phillies back in the day, like the 90s, I think the early 2000s, I believe. His first year with the Red Sox in 04, won the World Series, and of course won back in 07. He's gotten to the World Series with the Guardians when they were the Indians back in 2016. They really should have won that World Series, looking back on it, obviously. But since he's been the manager of the Indians slash Guardians, they've always been competitive. He's been the manager since 2013. They've always been competitive, always have it. They've built a really good team as well. They were the youngest team in baseball this season, and they made it to the playoffs. That's the main reason why I think Terry Francona will win manager of the year. He led the youngest team in baseball to the playoffs. And they won five games with my Yankees. They pushed us. Got to give him a lot of credit. So I'm going to go with Terry Francona on this one. And now with the NL manager here, the candidates are Dave Roberts of the LA Dodgers, Buck Showalter of the New York Mets, and Brian Stinker of the Atlanta Braves. So, I mean, Dave Roberts did lead the LA Dodgers to the best record in baseball this season. You know, but honestly, with Dave Roberts, he's been with the Dodgers. Um, I think he's managed them since 2016, I believe. You know, at the end of the day, he has the World Series ring from 2020. It doesn't matter what you want to think about it. It's a World Series ring at the end of the day. I think he's a little bit overrated as a manager. He does kind of overmanage at times. We've seen it before. You know, especially having the best record in baseball, all that. Just, just for the Padres to beat you in four games in the division series, that's yikes. That's all I got to say. That, that's all I got to say right there, honestly. With Buck Showalter, though, he really turned the Mets around. The Mets have been, they've been miserable since 2016, the last time they made it to the playoffs. Miserable. Terry Collins managed in 2017. That was his last year as manager with the Mets. Then it was Mickey Callaway from 1819. He's a piece of shit. We already know that. It was Luis Rojas. The last two seasons, they just couldn't get anything going. Couldn't get anything going. Buck Showalter stepped in. They won over 100 games. He turned them around. He completely turned them around. 
Got to give him credit. That's why I wanted Buck Showalter last year. I wanted Aaron Boone gone, and I wanted Buck. That's the guy that I wanted. I mean, granted, they did lose in the wild card series to San Diego, which it was a little bit surprising, but it's still the Mets. You know, that's just how they are. That they don't win. That's just how they are. And Brian Stinker, the Braves, they were looking to repeat this year. Obviously, it didn't happen. They got beat by the Phillies in four games, shockingly, in the division series. I, I think Stinker's a great manager, honestly. Gets, doesn't get enough credit, in my honest opinion. But if I had to pick right here for the NL Manager of the Year, I'm going Buck Showalter. So my managerial you know, predictions right here. American League, I'm going with Francona. Nationally, I'm going with Showalter. And I'm getting to the Cy Young Award, which will be on Wednesday. So we'll stick with the National League right here. We have Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins, Max Fried of the Atlanta Braves, and Julio Arias for the LA Dodgers. So we'll pull up their stats right here. Sandy Alcantara, who is a fucking phenomenal pitcher. So you look at his stats from this season. He was 14-9 with a 2.28 ERA, pitched in 228.2 innings, 207 strikeouts, had a whip of 0.98. The guy was phenomenal this year. Phenomenal. So now Max Free will pull up his stats right here. This year he was 14-7 and seven with a 2.48 ERA, pitching 185.1 innings, 170 strikeouts, a whip of one of 1.01. Not too bad. Freed's a pretty decent pitcher. One of the most underrated, I'd say, in the league. And I'll pull up Julio Arreas' stats. This year he was... Let's see, it's coming up. He was 17-7 and seven with a 2.16 ERA, pitching 175 innings total and 166 strikeouts, a whip of 0.96. He was really good. Arreas, you know, not a bad pitcher, honestly. He really isn't. Shitty human being for obvious reasons, but not that bad when he's on the mound. So my pick right here, I got to go with Sandy Alcantara. Because he just had a fucking amazing fucking season. He was great. He is definitely that bright spot for the Miami Marlins. He absolutely is. So he is my pick. And I'll get into the American League right here. The candidates are Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox, Alec Manoa of the Toronto Blue Jays, and Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros. So I'll pull up their stats right here. I'll pull up Dylan Cease first. Dylan Cease, honestly, I think he's an underrated pitcher. Pull up his stats. He was 14-8 with a 2.20 ERA. Pitched at 184 innings total. 227 strikeouts. Had a whip of 1.11. Alec Manoa right here. I could say a lot of things about him, but I'm going to be nice. He is a good pitcher, but he could be, be very overrated, honestly. I, I, the whole Blue Jays team is overrated, so I don't give a shit. So he was 16-7 with a 2.24 ERA. Pitched at 196.2 innings. Had 180 strikeouts and had a whip of 0.99. And now let's get to Justin Verlander, who I want the Yankees to, you know, to fucking sign in the offseason for obvious reasons. 39 years old right here. Pulling up his stats. He was 18-4 with a 1.75 ERA, pitched in 175 innings total, 185 strikeouts, 0.83 with, was his whip. This is a guy right here that was coming off Tommy John surgery, who's 39 years old, and he is my pick to win the Cy Young, the AL Cy Young. He's my pick right there. Yankees, get on the phone with him. I want him in pinstripes next season. To come off Tommy John at 39 years old, and he's going to win the Cy Young. And he got a World Series ring. 
Get them in fucking pinstripes today. Even though it's not going to happen today. But you, you know what I mean. So now get to the last thing right here. The NL and AL MVP awards. Which will be on Thursday. So that's the best. Saving the best for last right here. So we have the candidates for the National League. We have Nolan Arenado of the St. Louis Cardinals. Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals. And Manny Machado of the San Diego Padres. So let's put up their stats. We'll start off with Nolan Arenado, who is the best third baseman in all baseball. You could, you know, argue with me if you want to, but you're, I'm, I think you're wrong. That's just my honest opinion. So he batted 293, had 30 home runs, 105 RBIs, excuse me, 103 RBIs, five stolen bases, had an OPS of 891. Now look at the first baseman of the Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt. Pull up his stats. For 35 years old, he played pretty good. He doesn't play like a 35-year-old. So he batted 317, had 35 home runs, 115 RBI, 7 stolen base, and an OPS of 982. That's a guy right there that does not look like a fucking uh, 35-year-old. He really does it. Now I'll pull up my guy, Manny Machado, who I love to death and wanted him in pinstripes so badly. He batted 298, had 32 home runs, 102 RBIs, nine stolen bases, and OPS of 897. So even though I love Machado and I do love Arenado too, my pick right here for the NL MVP, I'm going with Goldie. I'm going Paul Goldschmidt, a guy who was 35 years old and he had this kind of season. You want to talk about somebody that doesn't age? That's fucking amazing. So I'm going with Goldie now with the American League right here. The candidates are. Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros, Shohei Otani of the Anaheim Angels, and Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. So Jordan Alvarez right here, great season. Great season. He, he is definitely one of my favorite players on the Astros, honestly. Even though I hate the Astros with every fiber of my being, Alvarez is great. Bad 306, 37 home runs, 97 RBIs. Only one stolen base. You kind of expect that, obviously. Had an OPS of 1,019. The guy just gets on fucking base. He's going to win MVP someday. I don't think this year, but someday he definitely will. And it'll, be, it'll, it'll definitely be well-deserved. Now, I'll pull up Shohei Otani's stats right here. Just one second. Here we go. So, since he was a pitcher and a hitter... We gotta pull up his stats with hitting wise as well. So pitching wise, Otani was 15 and 9 with a 2.33 RA, 166 innings total, 219 strikeouts, and a whip of 1.01. So I pull up his hitting stats right here. See, so it's only okay. Go to batting. He batted 273, had 34 home runs, 95 RBIs, 11 stolen bases, and OPS of 875. I mean, the guy is just generational. There's nothing else you could say. He deserved MVP last year. He's a generational talent, Shohei Otani. He's great. He really is. You can say whatever you want about him. You know, I'm not going to dick ride him like Ben Verlander does, but he's great. I mean, you can't say he's overrated. I don't think he is. I think that's wrong to even say. I think that's stupid. The guy's fucking great. He really is. And I'll pull up Aaron Judge stats right here. He batted 313. 62 home runs, 131 RBIs, 16 stolen bases, and an OPS of 1,111. Obviously, he broke the American League record for home runs in a season with 62, passing Roger Maris. What else more can we say about Aaron Judge other than re-sign him? That's all I'm going to say. you got to give the guy as much money as he wants. I don't care. But, you know, he's got to take you know, responsibility, which he has done. 
because he didn't perform in the postseason. So honestly, the thing with Judge is, we have a couple minutes left. The thing with Judge is he has a lot of characteristics. He's a lot like Derek Jeter when he speaks, but he performs like A-Rod in the postseason. Has his moments, but majority of struggle. He, you know, A-Rod struggled in the postseason from 04 to 07. 04 actually he really didn't struggle that much. He actually performed pretty well. From 05 to 07, he was a ghost. 2009, that was his year. That's where he completely turned around and shut up everybody. So with Judge, you got to pay him, make him the fucking captain, and hope if the Yankees do make it to the playoffs in 2023, which I believe they will nonetheless going into the next season, he's got to play like the fucking captain in the postseason. So... I think they're going to wait till after the MVP award. That'd be, so, that'd be so funny if he actually wins the MVP and then signs a contract after that. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? But he's my pick for the American League MVP. He's my pick. So we'll go over my picks right here real quick. For the rookie of the year in the American League side, I have Julio Rodriguez. National League side, I have Spencer Strider. With the manager of the year, American League side, I have Terry Francona. For the National League, I have Buck Showalter. With the Cy Young on the American League side, I have Justin Verlander. With the National League, I have Santi Alcantara. And with the MVP on the National League side, I have Paul Goldschmidt. On the American League side, I have number 99, Aaron Judge. All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoy this long episode right here. And the next time I'll talk to you guys should be... Let's try to think real quick. I actually will talk to you guys on Wednesday because I forgot to talk about my Brooklyn Nets hiring Giacomo on full-time. So we'll talk on Wednesday morning about that. And then Thursday morning, I will make my Week 11 predictions for the 2022 NFL season. I believe I'm 8-5 and five with my predictions this week, so it's another winning week for me right here. But all right, guys, hope you guys enjoy this episode right here. And I will talk to you amazing guys on Wednesday to talk some basketball. Enjoy the rest of your day, guys, and enjoy this episode.